Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jens Nelson. And my name is Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. On today's episode, you're getting some fresh content. It's it, it's been a while. We we've released over the last several weeks here some some best of episodes, some some best of 2021. We had Lucas's favorite episode, we had my favorite episode, we had our most downloaded episode. So it feels a little weird being back uh, behind the mic uh, hanging out with my boy Lucas here. So Lucas, man, why don't we just jump right in? Why don't you tell our, our lovely, lovely listeners who have missed our uh, quote-unquote live voices oh so much? Why don't you tell them what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, coming back from our first our first ever intentional <laughs> break <laughs> uh, feels weird to be back, but very exciting. And it feels kind of, I guess, fitting I don't know. I feel like this this topic could be considered a little bit on the spicier end of things, depending on how how we go about it, or, or you know, depending on where you're at in your particular walk in faith and time in life right now as you're listening to this. But we ha- we kind of had this idea spring up. I think like the original sort of seed probably we could we could put back in October in our in our uh, second annual Heresy Month. Um, we had a little idea, sort of, we, we kind of like, I don't want to say coined a new term, but I mean, I've never seen this term, and and I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about it in this way, but we kind of stumbled upon this idea of, if you recall, in our Donatism episode, quote-unquote semi-Donatism, right? This This, like, sort of vague sense of, like, people who aren't necessarily, you know, or are definitely not Donatists in terms of what they would confess regarding the nature of the church, the nature of repentance and forgiveness and, you know, all that kind of thing, but also aren't necessarily totally free from any sort of Donatistic tendencies in terms of um, how they might approach other Christians who disagree with them on things that are important or maybe not so important or maybe you know, they think are important, but other people don't, you know, those sorts of things. And I think that sort of is the seed for this quote unquote, semi heresy episode, right? Where we're not, we're not talking about any particular group of people, but we're talking about sort of on a more bird's eye level, something that I think people who are really involved in, in the church, who especially who are, whether it's online or in, or in real life or in book form, are sort of exposed to a wide variety of people from different traditions within the church or, or even just different denominations that are pretty close together, you know, that might all fall under one category like mainline or evangelical, but, but different denominations within those umbrellas. Um, you might be, this seems like the sort of thing that might be kind of intuitive, the way it, it I think was for us in terms of this isn't really something that we're picking up from anywhere in particular as much as just a sense uh, based on our observations. And we kind of wanted to try to categorize them a little bit. And, th- and and that's like things like quote, you know, I'm, I'm using air quotes like very prominently because some of these are like technical terms. If we're talking about like the history of the church, like semi-Aryans were a real group that believe certain things, but we're not using this term in, in that way. 
we're, we're just sort of meaning semi in the sense of half or, or not even necessarily half, but just like reminiscent of or sort of like opening up the question to like, is this, you know, maybe more classically semi-Aryan or semi-Pelagian or whatever, or our own little pet semi-Donatism or whatever. But like the reason that I felt like it was not just an interesting observation, but something potentially worth talking about is like this, I don't think is totally off base to look around at the state of, of the church in, in a broad sense and recognize ways in which heresy or things that are classically identified as heresies in, you know, they still, the ideas can still exert influence, even if the actual, you know, set of doctrines that is condemned isn't being taken wholesale, right? You don't, you don't need to be a literal Aryan to potentially fall victim to being kind of influenced by Arianism is kind of the, the basic theory that I think we're working with, which seems on the face of it, just kind of obvious. Like if you think about it, like, like in the abstract, sure, that could happen, right? Like it seems kind of like, yeah, why not? I, I could, I could imagine a world where different ideas that are kind of approaching heresy or, or maybe similar to things that are that are maybe outside the bounds of what is acceptable theologically creep into the church you know like we we could we, we i feel like it's it's popular online in in christian circles to talk about the way that like politics in recent you know decades or or, or years has has quote unquote crept into the church and kind of these different you know, where you fall on certain political voting issues kind of influence the way that your church might look or the things you might say or the things you might highlight or emphasize, right? And that's kind of what we mean, where it's not so much like someone sitting down, some, you know, some pastor or some denominational committee is sitting down and saying, oh, we're going to believe this or that, or we're going to take on this idea that the church has historically rejected. But it's more of this subtle behind the scenes sort of creeping in of these ideas that aren't really good, you know, that, that we as people who are, who are striving and, and attempting to be confessional, creedal, orthodox Christians would recognize as being outside of the boundaries of what we want to accept as being confessional and creedal orthodox Christianity, right? So I think that that, I think that, that kind of summarizes kind of the idea we're getting at. I don't know if there's a clearer way to explain it or, or, or something to clarify or something else that was on your mind before we kind of talk about specifically, maybe, what what we could identify as some of these, you know, semi-semi <laughs> heresies, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else I want to say by way of introduction. I think you've, you've said it really well. Um, so we'll, we'll just sort of roll into it here. I, I, I know, uh, I think I saw in your notes, I, you, you don't have access to my notes because when I prepared, I used my personal on, instead of our, our shared drive. So um, I, I see we have a little bit of overlap, but I, I consulted a Ligonier study and uh, Ligonier does this, I think every two years, it's every two or four. I forget if it's every two or four, um, but they do a quote-unquote state of theology uh, in the United States. And, you know, I, I have not looked deep enough into, you know, the demographics of who they poll and how they poll. Um, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that they poll U.S. adults and they also poll U.S. evangelicals. So they'll ask questions like, well, this isn't even a question. It's more of a statement. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 
Now, uh, you might imagine that people who are just U.S. adults are going to be pretty divided on that sort of statement. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Um, so something like 27% of U.S. adults strongly disagree, um, whereas 28% strongly agree. And even as I read this statement, I could see some confusion even to say that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. So what if you agree with Jesus being a great teacher, but you disagree with he was not God because you think he was God? Um, how do you answer correctly? Or what if you don't think Jesus was even a great teacher and you also don't think he was God? So if what, what I'm trying to say is, I, even though I've, I'm utilizing this state of theology survey and research, um, I think we need to be a little bit cautious with, with maybe the way that some of this is worded. However, at the same time, um, when, when looking at so that what the first stats I sort of gave were for U.S. adults just in general, specifically for U.S. evangelicals. Um, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 66 disagree, which, I mean, makes sense that Christians would disagree with this. However, 30% agree. And maybe evangelical isn't very well defined. So when they say U.S. evangelical, that includes a wide spectrum of people. Uh, but in my mind... It's concerning that almost a third of self-proclaimed evangelicals are saying that, yeah, Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't actually God. Um, yeah, and, and that's, that's yeah, startling. 26% of U.S. evangelicals, according to the 2020 Ligonier State of Theology, strongly agree that right. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God, which, which you know, I mean, I've taken, I've taken plenty of surveys and questions, you know, like, you know, whatever, but like, Going off of this data set, um, this is the kind of thing we're talking about. E even if you want to contest, you know, if you want if you want to challenge the sociological methodology of Ligonier ministry, fine. I don't like you said. I I don't know enough about it. I don't know if, about the demographics, about the um, the way the survey was delivered, all that kind of stuff. But the point is, um, this is what we're talking about. Where I I doubt even one individual U.S. evangelical would say, I am an Aryan, <laughs> um, if asked. But to claim that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God, is fundamentally, you know, at the root level, certainly in a Venn diagram, there's a lot of overlap between that and Arianism, because Arianism is the belief that Jesus is not God. He's not, he's not divine. So, that's kind of like, like you said, it's kind of startling. It's kind of disturbing. It's kind of like how in the world, for all the things that we can bicker about and fight about that are either more or less important or whatever, how in the world can, <laughs> forget evangelicals, <laughs> just Christians, like, to me, it, seem, it seems just on the face of it insane that anybody who self-identifies as a Christian would deny that Jesus is God. Well, I mean, you're if you're going to claim the name Christian that carries a certain connotation that Christ is more than just some mere man. Like, how could you say, yeah, Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't actually God, yet you are prescribing to be, you're, you're describing yourself as a Christian, which is a follower of Christ, meaning you follow that which he taught, one of which being that he was God. It just, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's disconcerting to think about these numbers. Let's just assume that they're accurate. But... To go back to sort of this this idea of you know halfway heresies semi semi Aryan whatever like the point is the 
these aren't, you know, uh, people who are probably even aware of, you know, the history of the Aryan controversy. Um, or if they are, they're probably not all, you know, historians, you know. And almost certainly, whatever the, the, whatever the measurement of being an evangelical is, no evangelical, in any sense, church in the United States today is Aryan on an, like, an official, you know, doctrinal basis. So you have this creeping undercurrent where the, the, you know, there's no way to answer this question based on this survey question, but I think the question does, does come up when we're like, how can somebody be an evangelical, which carries with it whatever that means, but part of that is a certain set of beliefs and a certain uh, church affiliation, and even going to church once a month, <laughs> twice a month, how can you come away without having this belief that he that Jesus was not God directly challenged and refuted even on just some level? Like I like I don't understand how you could go to any church service <laughs> that I've ever been to <laughs> in any sort of vaguely evangelical setting. Even if even if the the sermon or the songs are not necessarily about <laughs> Jesus being God, it just that's just something that kind of comes along with it. You know what I mean? Like like even if the sermon is about a different text or the, you know like that just seems to me to be so essential to the identity of Christian in general and especially what what I generally think of as evangelical Christian here in in the states. Like it's just crazy to me, and I think that that shows this like subtle and and sort of you know, creeping in unnoticed. Because it seems to me if it was noticed, it'd be challenged. And then I think there's a similar thing with with what we could call, you know, quote-unquote semi-Pelagianism, where this one I feel like is a little bit trickier in the, in the sense that, like, I don't think anyone would even say, even on a survey, something like, I am saved by my own works, or I am saved, you know, uh, without the grace of God, or my, or, the you know, the grace of God just serves to sort of help my own initiative. But I think that all of us, and I mean all of us, tend to live that way at times, in moments, even if we don't believe it in any sense, where we're, 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 we become moralistic with ourselves or legalistic with ourselves or legalistic with others, right? We probably all have some first or secondhand experience of, of a legalistic form of Christianity that really emphasizes either explicitly or maybe more subtly the idea that that how you act is you know and, and not just how you act but how you act under your own power right is is uh, the determinant factor of whether or not you can you can look at yourself as saved or, or or you know you need to earn God's favor or whatever even if we wouldn't use that kind of language I think it's I think it's a it's it's a in some ways a very natural tendency to fall into to for for people who are who are serious and and care about living a holy life and and honoring God to sort of slip into this right and and I think that um, I've I, I see that in my own life that tendency and in, in myself and those around me and then also I just sort of see it in the way I I you know hear people talk and a lot of times it's people who are struggling you know they're struggling with sin. And they kind of fall into this self-condemning sense of, I'm not doing the right thing good enough, you know. Um, 
that's not the only sense that I think this comes up, but I do think this sort of, you know, again, quote unquote, semi-Pelagian tendency to, to um, overemphasize the, the efforts that we make in good works under our own power, which I think is a key little asterisk where we need to be striving, you know, we're, you know, beating our body into submission, you know, as Paul says, uh, in order to do good works. But, but the difference is, is whether we're doing that out of, out of uh, the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit or whether we're doing it out of our own strength to sort of earn that, that grace of God, you know. Um, and, and, and yeah, I don't know if you, if you had this one, if you found something a little more concrete. Like for me, this one felt very like, I just feel like people tend to think this way, less so than like the Aryan yeah. thing where uh, it's like, oh, well, here's, you know, here's evidence that at least some chunk of U.S. evangelicals actually believe this. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not sure how you approached it if you did approach this question. I did. And I, I, I used the, the state of theology survey because their, their statement number 13 is that God counts a person as righteous, not because of one's works, but only because of one's faith in Jesus Christ. And it is every two years because this poll compares 2020 to 2018. And there, it went from 91% agree to 84% agree in the two years, in the two years that this, you know, between th these two surveys being taken. So 84% um, either somewhat or strongly agree that a person is righteous, not because of their works, but because of their faith in Christ. So we're saying something and just like... To clarify, just to clarify, that's of evangelicals this or is of even all? this is of evangelicals okay. this is not just u.s gotcha. adults yes thank you for that clarification so this is self-proclaimed evangelicals whatever that means 84 percent are saying that they agree meaning that 16 roughly 16 percent disagree with that statement or are not sure um, and so that's that's i mean a, a great example we're, we're talking about uh, how we're justified we're talking about what makes one um right in in, in the eyes of god and to think that you know, if even if you, even if you believe in, like faith as a faith, uh, we're justified by faith in Christ. Um, even if you think that your works play a role, I mean, that there's still something to be said for that. And this semi, um, halfway Pelagian ideology, and I think related to this. Um, is statement number three, which says that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Um, so this is also evangelicals, U.S. evangelicals. Um, <clears throat> let's see, in 2016, 48% of evangelicals agreed with that statement, that God accepts the, all, the worship of all religions. In uh, 2018, it was 51, and then in 2020, it was 42. So a little bit of a drop-off. Um, the, the, the amount of people that disagreed did increase, um, but we're saying somewhere around half of self-proclaimed evangelicals will say that God accepts the worship of all religions. And if you're going to think about that a little bit more clearly, um, what you're saying is that someone who practices Judaism or Islam, meaning they don't, rep uh, they don't acknowledge Jesus to be God, um, they, they might see him as a great teacher, as you know, someone who is a great prophet, uh, but not actually God. Um, so if, if we're justified by faith in Christ, what is justifying somebody who has no faith or belief in Christ as being God? Um, so again, in some sense, we're, we're basing 
are God accepting us upon the works that we do, because the statement says God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Um, so that, I think that's at least an example, again, where we're, where we're showing, that, if nothing else, just a trend or um, a, 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 somewhat of a fluctuating scale of just uncertainty about these things. And to me, at least, that's just somewhat alarming. And in I want to give the benefit of the doubt and, and think that maybe it was really poor polling practices or perhaps people were confused by the statements or prompts or some other thing was causing them to not quite answer how they would actually answer if they had the whole story. But I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think Ligonier would do a good job of actually getting these results that they wouldn't publish this and let it be a bunch of like faulty data. But I don't know. That's 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 a couple of the little statements that I found. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There, if you've ever, if you've never seen it, you should check out the State of Theology. I think it's literally stateoftheology.com. You can find like key findings. There's a data explorer, so you can see all these like charts and plotted graph points and sort of get a conclusion on the 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 temperature or the the pulse of. American evangelicalism and sort of the trends of, uh, I mean, the beliefs. And if you think about it, I mean, U.S. evangelicals, I mean, it's probably in the millions upon millions that are are self-proclaimed evangelicals. So we're not talking about just like, you know, a couple thousand people. Um, And so the, the natural question that comes to mind for me is how do we teach and train and, um, inform people so that they're, not confused when they get questions like this. I'm, I'm not saying that every Christian has to go through a theology 101 course and learn about Pelagianism and learn about Arianism. However, I do think you should, but I'm not saying that's like a prerequisite to become a Christian or anything. Um, but I don't know. Now, now I feel like I'm just rambling, but that those are just some of the slightly more concerning trends that I see. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that that that's helpful. And I do think that as, uh, you know, not trying to make any statements. I think, I think the study of theology is a really helpful tool, um, at least to get to jog your, your mind into asking the, the sorts of questions that they ask. Cause I think that they're really helpful questions, um, that we should all be asking, uh, of ourselves and our churches and our communities. And, um, the one thing I'll say is like, I kind of found the opposite of our little, like quote unquote, semi Donatism where I, I thought I was going to find a lot more uh, of just like just like the way that I see people interact on on Twitter and stuff w- within like the the Christian Twitter sphere who are of different traditions like there's 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 always those accounts and and those you know days where where people are really hostile to people from different traditions but but really if if anything it seems like the opposite direction is kind of true like kind of weirdly in uh, I found in from a 2018 Barna survey. Forty-seven percent of millennials, um, and I believe this was millennial Christians, agree at least somewhat that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. So basically, evangelism is wrong. Forty-seven percent of of millennials agreed with that, which is kind of the opposite of Donatism, where you're saying not only is my religion the only. <laughs> way to be saved but like you have to be my version of my you know like like so i i i wonder if if maybe our our little i you know question about what is it like what does it look like for a church you know perhaps in the reformation or perhaps in our day 
um, to be sort of semi-donatistic. Um, that might be a little bit more specific to certain, you know, the circles we run in, in terms of the kinds of books we read, the kind of thinkers we, we admire, and the kinds of um, traditions that we, that we are a part of versus a more broad trend the way something like 26% of U.S. evangelicals not believing Jesus is God or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So that was, that was kind of an interesting thing. But it is, it is just, I, the reason I want, like I said at the beginning, is these things creep in unnoticed, I think. So I think it's worth taking the time to sort of like look at surveys and also just think about these questions and think about the ways that things that are maybe big and obvious aren't what we are they're not the only things we need to be on the lookout for yeah right we don't we don't need to be only on the lookout for people in our congregations talking about how cool of a of a writer and theologian arius was right that's obviously a a concern if somebody in your congregation starts you know talking about how oh i discovered this guy named arius and he was really good but that's never gonna happen basically hopefully i would not i mean i would never is a strong statement (laughs) never is a strong statement it's true but i've certainly never experienced that but i've experienced all kinds of instances of these you know halfway semi versions these subtle influences that that i think are worth you know you know i don't have answers i just think it's worth raising these questions because they're so subtle I will, right. Yeah, I agree. And I think the only pushback I'll give, especially on the semi-donatism side, um, I'm thinking mm, of yeah. like especially the more dogmatic sects of Christianity, like IFB, Independent Fundamental Baptist. Though, to me, they can be very sectarian, very separatist, like, you know, King James only, uh, you know, the, the preaching style, the, the style of dress. And if you're not doing those things, then you're somehow not part of the family of, of faith. Um, I'm also even thinking, I'm not on social media very much. I, ch- I think I, maybe once a day, every couple days, I'll log on on a browser and go on Twitter. And I happened to see a couple days ago, a thread about somebody who had been like applying to, uh, is it Bethlehem Theological Seminary or whatever, like John Piper's church's seminary. And some of the interview questions he was asked, like about race issues, about um, books like Jesus and John Wayne and um, uh, the making of biblical womanhood and, and stuff like that, and being denied entrance into into a school based on differing beliefs. And so is that somewhat Donatistic? Maybe it, uh, you know, a school is obviously allowed to do what they want. In ex- I mean, even like Moody, for example, like the, the school that we went to has the ability to choose who's accepted and who's not into enrollment, right? But um, it's, I think it's, a school is a lot different than a church. Oh, I, I and I agree. But the thing is, these people at these schools are theoretically in churches. And it's not like they suddenly like, div- especially with a place like Bethlehem, where like this church is kind of, the, it's like a one entity under the same head. Um, and so I, and I I want to be clear, I'm not saying inherently that something like Bethlehem is bad or it's a bad place. I'm simply offering a warning or a, um, a prompt to think a little bit more deeply about like, are we being somewhat legalistic? Are we being somewhat, you know, semi-donatistic, for example, those are just my ideas. They're not even fully fleshed out in my own thinking, but I also do agree with what you said on this point, but I also think some of what I said is also true. So it, it feels like this uncomfortable yeah. middle ground. I think that's I think it's I think like the word 
sectarian is helpful not to throw around at people but to think about like we we don't think about donatism much but we're it's probably easier to see sectarianism in our world because we we're more we're more familiar with that and really that is you know in the context of the church um especially with with respect to how we look at other christians who are of a different church body like sectarianism really is you know the way that donatism plays itself out donatism you know was maybe a theological you know doctrinal explanation for sectarianism but that's what they were doing you know they were they were separating themselves out from the rest of the church uh and and that that was that was the what you know what the problem was so i I think that it's definitely true whether we're talking about an individual level or an individual congregation level or even you know a whole denominational or, or or organizational level there i think that if we if we frame the question in our minds about like you know are we being sectarian in this or that way or or is this an indicator that that I'm thinking in a sectarian like that I think is a maybe maybe a um, more applicable way and helpful way to sort of think through the questions that you know semi Donatistic type tendencies are getting at where. Um, the question isn't necessarily do I believe this or that. The question is like, if you go to a different church than me and believe differently than me about this or that secondary issue, what is that? What do I think that tells me about your church or your soul? Right, because there are questions that need to be asked about some issues when it comes to, you know, the state of someone's, you know, the validity of someone's church. But something like you know, what kind of clothes the pastor wears, you know, to take an absurd example. Uh, those are not those questions. <laughs> so, um, and, and then there's everything in between, you know, there's everything in between. You deny the Trinity, you wear pants, and I don't like that. There's everything in between of greater and lesser in intensity and greater and lesser significance that that we can be uh, sectarian about. And that is, that needs to be, if we're gonna, if we're gonna separate ourselves off from any, fellow christian we need to be really sure why we're doing that is is worthy of that step right um and it can't be it can't be just a comfortable thing that we're we're quick to separate and we never evaluate and i think that that's a helpful that's a helpful reminder even even in even in things that are that are like you know we might call parachurch uh ministries or organizations like schools and seminaries where um a school is not a church, but a school run by a church might indicate some things about that church or the leadership at that church. You know, like you said, I think that that's, that is very helpful. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have, like I said earlier, I don't have any answers. It's just more of these questions that I think are important to bring up because of the subtlety that this usually takes, you know, it, it, it's not big and in your face, I think, when we're talking about not outright heresy, but just these influences that creep in. And I, and I think it's, it's, uh, Maybe something we'll come back to uh, in, in some other fashion. It, it's certainly an idea that I think it's hard to get out of my head. You know, once I started thinking about it, it's just kind of there rolling around. So I'm sure that these ideas will come up again as we continue, you know, in our future conversations. And, and uh, but I think I think that's that's probably where we will end it today. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Go ahead and wrap us up. Yep, I've got a little hymn to, pr- to that we'll pray from the the Anglican Breviary, a uh, fun little Christmas present I got. So. This is from the Ordinary of Sext, which is the 
the uh, liturgical monastic prayer hour that we're currently in as we are recording this. O God of truth, the Lord of might, who orderest time and change aright, and sendest the early morning ray, and lightest the glow of perfect day, extinguish thou each sinful fire, and banish every ill desire, and while thou keepest the body whole, shed forth thy peace upon the soul. O Father, that we ask be done, through Jesus Christ, thine only Son, who with the Holy Ghost in thee shall live and reign eternally. Amen. Amen. Well, I mean, thank you, Lucas. This has been wonderful to see you again, to hear you again. Can't wait to continue doing more of these now that we're in 2022. So happy new year to all of you. Uh, We want to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. Thank you for even making it through November and December with some of our ups and downs and our crazy schedules. We really appreciate it. If you want to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter at Doxology Podcast, or you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Send us your feedback. Send us your questions. Send us all of your episode ideas. Let us know what you thought about this halfway heresies episode. We'd love to hear from you. And at the end of the day, we hope you're doing well. We hope you're safe. And we'll see you next time.